This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. Right, this is the Bite Size Business Breakfast Best Bits from Wednesday, February the 15th, the day after Valentine's Day. Uh, we spoke to the Chief of Staff at Noon.com. That's Ali Kafil Hussain. Why did we speak to them? Because they've just acquired Namshi, the online fashion retailer to further the services that Noon.com now offer. I spoke to Ali about what it meant for both organisations and also the scope of interest that would involve. We also spoke to Dr Najib Ben-Kedder, Divisional Senior Vice President from Emirates Skywards. Yes, uh, an interview that many people chirped in on. A lot of messages we had from listeners on this one. Uh, it's been several weeks since the announcement came out of Skywards about their restructuring of the loyalty programme. Uh, a lot of unanswered questions. We tried to get a few of those answers for you from the boss of Emirates Skyward. Talking of bosses, it was a morning for CEOs, the group CEO of Air Arabia. Uh, also joined us live on the show. That's Adil Abdullah Al Ali. Air Arabia reporting record numbers and an expansion of their network. They're back to business with a bang after the problems caused by COVID-19. A lot of questions for Air Arabia, both from Brandy and, of course, from a number of our viewers. World Government Summit came into its third and final day. Uh, lots of chat about the World Government Summit Day, what's achieved over the last couple of days. In fact, we spoke to uh, a couple of individuals, a couple of speakers who were down at the World Government Summit. They gave us their thoughts on what the summit has achieved. And we were on Musk Watch. Why? Elon Musk taking to the stage uh, on the third and final morning of the World Government Summit. The question was... Would he walk onto the stage or would he appear on a big screen? The answer was delivered to us in the final hour of the show. That's the Bite Size Business Breakfast for Wednesday, February the 15th. And it is the final day today of the World Government Summit. Tom, you've got the live stream up, I'm assuming, for the WGS. Looking to see if you can see, I don't know, a mask mobile. Can't see anything yet. No, no, no sighting of the greater spotted musk uh, as yet. Um, so I haven't been able to register my big five. Uh, I'm just wondering. Just I'm looking at air tracking. Somebody texted in and said, "Why don't you just have a little look at the air tracking websites out there at the moment, uh, which register the the planes that are coming in, etc." There is one. No. There is that. There is actually um, somebody set up Been some taken down. some aircraft. Did they take it down yeah. because he'd set it up to track Elon Musk as well as a load of other people's uh, flights all over the world? Yeah, at Elon Jet was the uh, was the Twitter handle originally, but it was taken down by the uh, the U.S. authorities for security on reasons. On the grounds of security, I see. Okay. But there so is there's one him. there's one on the ground with a call sign ELO six. Electric light orchestra? Maybe that. Maybe they're in town for a gig tonight. Who knows? But uh, no, I have got no eyeballs on either a jet or Mr. Musk as yet. All right, but we're we do... far too excited about this. He's a man. He's no different. He's a human being. He's no different from any of us. Well, 
And he's just coming in for a chat. It's just entitled A Conversation with Elon Musk. I mean, you could talk about anything you like. There's no clues there in the title. Well, there was a suggestion, wasn't there? Uh, we were doing the clips yesterday, your clips yesterday, about the fact that, you know, they went last time they were here. Was it 2018, 2017? And he joked that, you know, that aliens could be amongst <laughs> us. He said, oh, you know, maybe even I'm an alien, you know. He got a round of applause for that. He got a round of applause for that. So let's wait and see. Uh, it's certainly been big on tech players down there at WGS. Anyway, we spoke a couple of days ago to the co-founder of Waze, um, Nick Clegg has been uh, speaking in the last 24 hours. Uh, former UK politician, now bigwig at Meta, the company formerly known as Facebook. Yes, you're absolutely right. So he was on yesterday and he's the president of Global Affairs for Meta. And he was actually the former deputy prime minister of the United Kingdom. He was speaking with his excellency, Omar Sultan al-Olama, the UAE minister of state for artificial intelligence, dig digital economy and remote work applications. And he was saying that the UAE has really been a leading example in harnessing technology to shape its future direction and policies and he was saying that the UE has struck a perfect balance. You and your administration have been real leading examples of a wonderful combination of optimism and realism about tech and I think that is the right mix. And understandably, given his position, obviously, he also sounded a note of caution and he was, <laughs> and he was addressing people. <laughs> he was addressing he was addressing people who don't see the positive side in technology. Social media was considered to be the solution to all of our problems, and now it's almost swung the other way. And in much of the debate, you'd think that it's the source of all of our problems. And of course, neither is really true. Excessive optimism and excessive pessimism, neither of which are sensible attitudes towards technology. The, the truth is always somewhere in the middle. All right, well, we have our Elon answer, don't we? Don't we just? Yeah. And either he's been a little bit tardy and uh, hasn't been able to get out of his hotel room in time, or he ain't here, people, because he's on a big screen. He's got a big heed on a big screen down at the World Government Summit at the moment. Uh, he is being uh, quizzed by uh, Mohammed Al Gagawi at the moment. Uh, and so, yeah, not here in person, but uh, gracing the summit with his presence virtually. Yeah, we obviously have the sound down on that feed so that we can do the radio business, but um, our producers next door are listening to what he has to say to the Minister of Cabinet Affairs uh, for the UAE's excellent Mohammed Al-Gagawi. Let's continue to have a look at uh, who else is speaking down um, at the World Government Summit. I mean, the lineup is so big, you literally need to get the magnifying glass out to look at the programme. You do, you do indeed. There are a long list of people over there. Um, I just thought I'd l let you know one of the interesting awards that was handed out yesterday was the um, uh, uh, the World Government Summit's Best Minister Award, and that's for an extraordinary work done by government ministers of any country in demonstrating excellence in the public sector, and it recognises their design and implementation of any of those successful, scalable, and sustainable initiatives to improve the lives of their citizens, and it's meant to inspire and lead other government leaders. So this year's award was given to Sierra Leone's education minister. He was honoured for work in his home country. And David Moinina Senge, he's the West African nation's minister of basic and senior secondary education. And he was presented with the award by none other than His Highness Sheikh Mohammed bin Rashid Al Maktoum, the vice president and prime minister of the UAE and ruler of Dubai. And he told ARN News his country's making great strides in the sector. The president has focused on human capital development 
and he's provided the space. 22% of our budget goes to education. That coupled with inclusion, that coupled with the way in which we're focused on what we call radical inclusion, that every child can access school, quality education, is really um, a reflection of where we are going. So he was talking about some of the projects that he's been involved in. Now, our reporter from the Air News Centre, Sanush Sharif, he was on the ground there and he was speaking to him and the minister told him how this particular accolade is going to help make a difference. And, of course, we had, after that, we had Dr. Tredros from the World Health Organization, and he was praising the role of the United Arab Emirates in their response to the devastating earthquakes in Turkey. As we know, the UAE sent a considerable amount of material aid and set up a field hospital in Turkey as well to help victims of the earthquake. So the Dr. Tedros was also addressing the World Government Summit via video link, as Elon is, and he was saying that they've dispatched three flights with medical supplies and surgical trauma and he said that site there is becoming ever more essential. Our UAE Dubai hub is an increasingly important part of WHO's work around the world on emergency preparedness, response and resilience. In the past year, we have delivered essential health supplies to 90 countries from Dubai. And since 2017, the Dubai hub has expanded tenfold. This is the Minister of Cabinet Affairs, Mohamed El Kagawi, uh, His Excellency welcoming Elon to the summit. I sat with you here in this platform with a great audience. Uh, it was your first trip to Dubai with your family. I hope you enjoyed it. Yeah, it was wonderful. Uh, uh, very much enjoyed. Um, I, and I, I, I see my, my head is gigantic on the stage. <laughs> <laughs> my head has grown larger uh, since we last met. Is it, is it, is it because of Twitter? Yeah, I, I don't know, perhaps. Uh, it, um, it, Twitter is it's, it's certainly um, uh, quite the roller coaster. Oh, there's an understatement. <laughs> I was going to say, yes. He does have a sense of humour on him, though, doesn't he? He's been in conversation with His Excellency Mohammed El Gagawi, the UAE Minister for Cabinet Affairs, speaking, unsurprisingly, all things. Twitter. One of the things that he discussed was the changes that he's making at Twitter to make it more responsible for its content. There's something that we're, that we're putting a lot of effort into called Community Notes. It's currently just in English, but we will be expanding it to uh, all languages. Um, that is, I think, quite a, a good way to assess the, the, the truth of things, where it's the community itself, basically the, you know, the, the people of Earth who are basically not exactly voting, but, but competing to provide the most accurate information. So it's sort of a, a competition for truth. And because well, you can also say, like, what, what is true? It's because what may be true to some may not be viewed as true to others, but you want to have the closest approximation of that. So I think the, the community notes thing is very powerful. Now, Mr. Al-Gagawi asked him one of the questions that everyone has been wondering. What's going to happen with a new CEO for Twitter? I think I need to stabilize the organization um, and just make sure it's in a uh, financially healthy place and that the, the the product roadmap is clearly laid out. So, I don't know, I, I'm guessing probably towards the end of this year um, should, would be good timing to um, find uh, someone else to run the company because uh, I think it should be in a stable position around, uh, you know, at the end of this year. Yeah, and Elon had been tweeting just an hour ago, uh, joking that he could have um, almost a pet, if you like, um, on the uh, in the main seat in the Twitter CEO street. We 
I've also been uh, listening to Elon discuss the state of technology. This is what he said to His Excellency Mohammed Al Gagawi about where tech is at the moment. Well, see, ten years—it's always difficult to predict technology with precision, um, especially over a ten-year time frame when it is changing so much. I mean, there's, there's, there's obviously the transition to sustainable energy uh, with uh, solar, wind, batteries, and electric vehicles, um, and and that that is. If you look at the percentage growth of that, that is a very high percentage growth. Um, although, because of the massive industrial base of, um, of the current sort of um, fossil fuel economy, it, it, even like even if all, for example, if, if electric cars were 100% of production immediately, it would take 20 years to replace the fleet. So this is still something that is quite gradual. You know, it's, it's measured in. At least a few, you know, 30, 30, 40 years type type of time frame. Um, on on a more a sort of near term time frame, I think artificial intelligence is something we need to be um, quite concerned about and really be uh, attentive to the safety of of AI. One of the big discussions of the World Government Summit and certainly something that we have been discussing uh, with the uh, tech guests that we've had in the studio from the summit itself, ChatGPT and what's happening with AI. That is Elon Musk speaking on stage down the road. Well, speaking via video link on stage down the road from here at the World Government Summit. This is the Bite Size Business Breakfast, exclusively on DubaiI1038.com. We've got a bit of an aviation theme going on this morning uh, and an earnings theme. Air Arabia reporting a 70, 70% rise in net profit for 2022. And we are extremely pleased to be joined on the line this morning by the group CEO himself, Adel Al Ali. Adel, it's lovely to speak to you. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Brandy. Good morning. And joining you with, look, a great set of numbers any way you slice them, doubling profit, doubling passenger numbers last year as well. Let's put that in context first off. Where were you coming from at the start of 2022? What did it look like? 2022 was sort of a good start. January was a strong month. Obviously, one has to sort of reflect that to are working on the background of 21, which was still semi-pandemic. But by end of 21, UAE uh, totally opened up and we saw the business back to normality. So the first quarter of 22 and the whole of 22, we we saw a a demand increasing and the, the business back to normality. So this is your highest ever profit. We know that we've seen a lot of uh, revenge tourism, full planes across the uh, the industry, but this seems a little bit more than that. What else has driven that rise? I think a combination that, that, that one has to, to, to be realistic in terms of demand and in terms of the opening up of the country to the tourists and to the business community. That was a great help. Obviously, that drove the yield to improve, uh, which is a very important key factor into profitability of of an airline. Uh, fuel, uh, and, and while the fuel did hit high in mid of 2022, uh, our hedging policy that we put in place probably pre-pandemic and during the pandemic did uh, support us positively in, in the results. So overall, it's it's been those things. And to be honest, the demand was the key factor that helped holding the yields. 
Let's talk about ticket prices as well, something we've discussed with, I think, nearly every airline CEO that we've spoken to recently. Uh, what have you had to do to cope with those uh, those higher costs over the last year? Well, well I, think, I think obviously cost, as you rightly said, has gone up everywhere from the people to airports to flying in the sky. And the cost is, is, is a rise factor in, in our industry. The demand helping the industry to keep the yield high. So when, when you start, uh, that basically means you, the, the prices are reasonably good to compensate for the increase in the cost in the industry. However, as, as the capacity comes back, the competition increases around the world, probably those things will take a, a position. Uh, we've seen a, a, a 7 or 6% drop in the yield, in the yield versus the pandemic times, which is understandable, but it's still, they're, they're good numbers and good yield, and those have helped. It's a combination of things that help. The seed factor, because of the pent-up demand, has also pushed the result in a positive way. What about Air Arabia Abu Dhabi, your pandemic baby, if you like, launching in 2020? What time of growth has that seen? It's been a great success. We're so pleased and so happy to be in Abu Dhabi working with our partner, Ittihad Airways. I think we've doubled the size since since we started off the airline. We hope that by end of this year, we probably double it again uh, from eight airplanes to 16. We opened many routes up to 24, and we're again hoping to at least go up to 36 to 40 routes on, on that, that particular base. And it's been a success story, which we're very pleased with. So tell us about that expansion that we could see this year. Um, as you say, 2022, 10 new aircraft, Air Arabia, um, Abu Dhabi in its first year, and also 24 new routes. Where else are you looking to fly, Adil? I think uh, we, we, we expanded extremely well from, uh, if we're talking Abu Dhabi specific, uh, the subcontinent has been an excellent. Uh, the Arab world, we have not fully covered from Abu Dhabi. So very soon we will be starting beginning of um, March or middle, beginning of March, we should be flying into Jordan. Uh, our capacity on Egypt has increased. We're still not flying into Saudi Arabia and Qatar. Uh, we started Kuwait, but we need to increase the demand down to Bahrain as well. So within the Arab region, the increase is happening, subcontinent. Uh, Russia has, has played its part, and, and the demand on that route has been good. Um, from the UAE, uh, those are the routes we started from. Uh, CIS has been has been one that it developed into Abu Dhabi and to Sharjah as well. Uh, outside the UAE, uh, Air Arabia... Uh, obviously grown with its uh, European destination from Morocco. That has been a great growth. Then we've, as you know, we've created the two new airlines that, that kept us busy in 2022. Yeah, Armenia and uh, Pakistan. I understand you're preparing a launch of Air Arabia Sudan. What can you tell us about the timeline for that? A little early. I hope that by probably before end of the year, we are in a position to launch that airline. A lot of Legal work and, and technical work is going on at the moment, including looking at how could we better put facilities and infrastructure in, in, in the airport. So altogether, I think Pakistan, uh, sorry, Sudan, the team is working there. And we, we think in the next eight to 10 months, we should be able to launch the airline. few challenges, but I think nothing that will hold us uh, from start the operation there.
Uh, we've been operating to Sudan uh, from both uh, uh, Sharjah for the last 14 years, from Abu Dhabi since the start, and from the Arab in Egypt, we fly to Sudan. It's a place with the 40 million plus people. So we, we think, and with most of the political, global political issues are behind us in Sudan, we hope that it would be a, a very sound and, and sustainable hub for us. You mentioned challenges. What? How do you deal with the challenge of keeping customers happy at a time of rising costs and rising flight prices when you are a low-cost carrier? What's the, the balancing act there, Adel, as a company that also obviously makes some money for the stuff that it sells on board? I think the, the, obviously from a customer point of view, a low cost will always have to be lower than the conventional or the legacy carrier. And as long as the customer sees that differential and benefit from, uh, they, they are happy with. Equally, when we say uh, a, a lower price always applies in our business model, it's so dynamic pricing that you do get still a very attractive deal if you book early enough. So the original methodology that has been used has not gone away. And our, our advice to people, if you want good deals, book early. But Costs are going up, and I think the customers equally around the world and expect that, given the rise of the cost and everything, they do expect okay. to pay a little more to travel. Well, thank you so much for joining us. The group CEO of Air Arabia, Adel Ali, speaking to us this morning. Catch up on the business headlines with the Bite Size Business Breakfast. And we have one of our two big aviation interviews of the morning. Emirates has concluded its five-week devaluation of its Skywards miles, or its uh, move to increase the number of points that you need for upgrades and classic rewards. It depends on the way that you look at it. Uh, in the hot seat this morning, we are exceptionally pleased to be joined by Dr. Najib. Ben Kaida, who is the Divisional Senior Vice President for Emma. It's Skywards. He is the man in charge of your points. Dr. Najib, it's lovely to see you again. Good morning, Brandy. Morning, Tom. Morning. So over the past month and a half, you've been tweaking the system, increasing the number of points that are needed for upgrades and classic rewards. Why have you done this? I acknowledge the fact that this is a very emotional topic, uh, Brandy, but um, since we're at, uh, at Business Breakfast, I'd like really to, t- to give it a business spin, if you will. Um, so this is a, a textbook inflation situation, if you will, right? Like Tom just been talking about what's happening in the US and you guys have been talking about inflation uh, throughout the, the past few weeks, months even. So we have a pent up demand. Uh, we've got shortage of capacity, if you will. We're recovering from a network perspective. And this is across uh, all the industry, not just Emirates uh, uh, as well. And we have an accumulation of wealth in terms of miles as well. So all of these um, you know, led us to look into uh, the um, re- revisiting uh, the number of miles required for rewards. We know it's an emotive subject and we appreciate you coming in and, and addressing it head on. Let's get into some of those points that you've mentioned, which are really interesting. You talk about that build up in miles. What have you seen? Where are you? So we're the, the, on the average, uh, members here in the OAE have accumulated more than 20 percent uh, co- compared to pre-COVID. Um, their miles balance have increased by around 20%. So a year, that's, and that's because we have also provided a lot of opportunities for people to earn miles beyond flights. Today, only 55% of the miles earned come from flights. All the rest comes from financial partners, from retailers, etc. And we've increased that opportunity. Therefore, the uh, p- people on the average have earned 20% more miles. So that you have to keep that in mind. Brandy, can you come, come, come back and also talk about this whole devaluation, quote, unquote, 
for the last 10 years, we haven't touched the number of miles required for classic rewards. And for the last six years, we haven't touched upgrades. In the meantime, fares have increased for commercial perspective uh, and other things have happened. And for us, this adjustment was really necessary for us to be able to have access to the inventory, both for classic rewards and upgrades, so that we continue to serve uh, our members. 85% of the, of, of the rewards that, that are sold by our members are in flight rewards. So that's upgrades, classic rewards, or cash plus miles. So it was important for us to be able to do that. And the other, the other piece is that we have increased the earn for our premium members. And therefore, we are keeping whole, if you will, our, our premium members, silver, gold, and, and platinum. And uh, we have a good number of those here in the UAE um, you know, versus other markets, if you will. The proportion of, of uh, premium members is much higher here in the UAE. So we're protecting uh, 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 the loyal members, if you will. Talk to me about that balancing act that that you that you face within the airline. As you say, fares have have gone up, so you've got uh, this commercial equation now, where if you give away the seats for for miles, yeah. those seats effectively we're, cost more. Tell me how you think of course that. we're we're somewhat displacing. I mean, we look at the cost of displacing a commercial passengers. Eighty percent of the rewards are in uh, uh, let's say uh, inventory buckets that that have commercial fares as well. So it's, it's important for us to be able to have that equation right so that we can continue to serve our members um, as well. Um, and we look at that whole displacement cost, if you will, and that's how we internally look at the cost of a mile. And that cost of a mile versus, as I said, we haven't increased for 10 years ago, versus 10 years ago, it's 50% higher cost of mile for us. Therefore, the increase that we've done with 20% in classic rewards, 30% in upgrades, is actually doesn't even cover that increase in cost. We're absorbing some of it as a program. So how much has the uh, the cost of up- upgrading in, increased? I realize it's going to vary yeah. uh, around the place, but yeah. can you give me an idea, an it's, average percentage? It's, it's about 30% increase for upgrades, and it's about 20% increase for classic rewards. Now, this is for business class and first class. Remember, in economy, we haven't touched it. So for our premium members, for whom the earn has increased, they actually require less trips in economy for them to get a reward in economy. And a lot of our members, uh, you know, maybe earn when they're flying on business and then they're burning when they're flying with their families um, uh, in economy. So this is an important also piece that to keep in mind. On the average, a gold or silver gold or platinum, actually gold or platinum members will require one trip less to be able to get to reward tickets. So the number of uh, commercial trips versus uh, a a, a trip in, uh, that's in economy. What about the availability of seats that are there for, for upgrades? Has there been any change to that? No. One thing to, to, to mention that the number of classic rewards in 2022 compared to 2019 pre-covered has increased by 40%. 40% more uh, activities in terms of classic rewards here uh, in 2022 versus 2019. In Cash Plus Miles, same thing, about 30% more people taking Cash Plus Miles uh, upgrade. It was It was a bit the same. So... We're continuing to uh, cater to uh, to uh, the most sought after uh, uh, rewards for our members. I mean, the other piece that I've just looked uh, uh, yesterday on the number of seats available for the next six months, 38% of the departures will have seats available. Uh, and this is across business first and, and, and economy for classic rewards. On upgrades, 
it is possible that today you see more people actually upgrading on the day of travel, as in at check-in or even on board. We are one of the few airlines that offer that possibility of you when you walk into the, air, uh, the aircraft to be able to upgrade there. Now, people want really probably to plan uh, ahead, etc. But today, 30% of the upgrades from, from uh, economy to business and 50% of the upgrades from business to first happen actually at the day of departure. So we're we're allowing that to happen, uh, as I said, and I think the members will not see uh, a big change in that uh, availability. Um, I want to make sure also that Cash Plus Mice is available and it is a very attractive proposition. So for people who have our co-brand credit cards and one third of our active members here in the UAE do have uh, co-brand credit cards, this equates to a cashback when they're using Cash Plus Miles uh, on the average of about 25 to 3%. That's one of the best cards out there. When, it, when we talk about upgrades and, 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 uh, and classic rewards, that's a 5% or a 10% for an upgrade. So of course, that's, that's, uh, that's uh, again, the much sought offer, uh, after uh, reward for a good reason, but still Cash Plus Miles offer a good cashback for our members who are earning uh, on, on their co-brand credit cards. You can even triple triple dip, um, uh, Brandy, and you know the program very well, right? They can go to Dubai Mall, use Skywars every day, and use our co-brand, and you're triple dipping. And basically, for every dirham you spend, you're, you're, you're getting a, a mile. I've just got one minute left yeah, with you, sure. but I'm looking to, to hold you over for, for, for a few minutes, if we can. Are you concerned about the effect that this will have on, on loyalty to the airline? What kind of studies and metrics do you do? No, we look at, at, at engagement, as I said, we have a very highly engaged uh, member base here in the UAE. Um, by the way, we just reached 30 million worldwide. I know we're interested most yeah. in the UAE, but let's not forget the fact that we're also a success story made in Dubai on a global stage, 30 million members. We're one of the largest loyalty programs in the world. If you put the US carriers aside, we are uh, one of the largest in the world. That is, a, uh, that is a, a, a moment of pride for us uh, as well. So we just hit that uh, in December of this year, which shows also uh, that the traction that the program has. So Brandy, we are onboarding about 300,000 to 400,000 members a month, new members. So that tells you that the program continues to be extremely attractive, extremely innovative, that provides op- you know, options, choices, and flexibility to members. The question I really wanted to ask, I've got two questions before I let you go. You said that this was a commercial decision as the capacity is more constrained and flight prices go up. Obviously, um, you need to adjust what they are worth in miles. My question then is, is this a permanent change because that capacity will obviously ease um, as Emirates does its thing and increases capacity. Could we see then um, the amount of miles it costs to buy a flight reducing? We, we will continue to look at the, at the situation, uh, obviously, but as I mentioned, you know, it took us 10 years really for us to adjust. Uh, so we want to keep it as stable as possible for people so that they can relate to how many miles they need. Um, and then uh, but if the situation uh, allows uh, us uh, in the future uh, or calls uh, upon us to just make these changes, we will make those changes again. We're here to support our, our members and we're here to drive that loyalty, um, uh, if you will. So uh, we will continue to do that. Just want to, again, w- one more item, uh, Brandy. Uh, we, we have launched, we're the first airline to launch a subscription program called Skywards Plus to allow members to earn more miles on every flight and to reduce the number of miles by around 20% that are required on, on, uh, uh, for, for rewards. 
so they can they can get back to the old uh, if you will uh, chart uh, by just sub- subscribing to uh, uh, to Skywars Plus. Very quickly, is this the future of miles programs? Then, I mean, as you pointed out, a lot of airlines are facing the same glut of miles that that Emirates is, the same commercial issues. Do loyalty programs need to evolve? And they are evolving, uh, if you will. And a lot of them have made these changes, make it more difficult for people to access inventory. What we are doing is we want to continue to provide that access or inventory. And therefore, we have adjusted the prices so that we can, quote unquote, compete with the commercial uh, you know, fares as well. And Dr. Najib ben Divisional Senior Vice President at Emirates Skywards. Thank you for your time. Just the highlights. This is the Bite Size Business Breakfast. Stock acquisitions, if we can, and e-commerce company Noon recently completing the acquisition of online fashion retailer Namshi uh, with, as we're told, the deal effective immediately. Let's get some more details on said deal with their chief of staff, the chief of staff, that is, of Noon.com, Ali Khafil Hussain, who joins us now live on the line this morning, also live via Microsoft Teams. Morning, Ali. Hi, Tom. How are you doing? Really good. Uh, Congratulations on the latest acquisition, as we heard. Acquisition effective immediately. But talk to us about the sort of moving forward with this one. Does this mean that Namshi becomes part of Noon? Do they remain separate? Um, It remains separate uh, for the most part. So it will be a standalone app and will continue in that fashion as it is currently. Um, but it will be part of the broader noon ecosystem that we've been, you know, growing. Um, so now we've been present in uh, obviously traditional uh, our traditional marketplace, as well as uh, online food delivery, grocery. And now we have a deep play in fashion that we're really excited about. But yeah, standalone app going forward. Uh, deep play in fashion and lifestyle. Obviously, we know the ambitions of Noon.com. We've seen that in recent times. Why was this the right time to go deep into fashion and lifestyle? It's always been part of the strategy to to really go big uh, in fashion. Um, if you zoom out and look at Noon as a broader ecosystem, uh, we want to be present in every single retail use case. Uh, that's always been our aim. So whether it be um, you know, topping up with groceries or buying clothes. Um, we want to be that platform where you go to and do that. Um, and fashion, we've always thought the way forward for fashion is to uh, have a dedicated uh, a dedicated platform just in terms of experience. Because, um, you know, when you're shopping for uh, a T-shirt or a dress, you always want it just to, to be there as one seamless experience together and not next to something you might find on, on noon.com. Yeah, looking at it from a Namshi point of view, I mean, the, the new network, your logistics, your fleet is second to none at the moment. So a bit of a no-brainer, one would assume, from a Namshi perspective. Yeah, exactly. So um, five years ago, we took a call to invest deeply in infrastructure. So uh, we have now what is the la- largest last mile fleet in the region. Um, and this will uh, just further utilize that infrastructure and make sure that, you know, uh, we're operating very efficiently. So uh, not only will Namshi benefit, Noon benefits as well. Uh, and then in the end, hopefully our customers benefit through uh, through lower prices. Looking at it from a Noon point of, of view as well, I mean... <laughs> A noon with obviously uh, a regional um, uh, reach at the moment, but global ambitions amongst uh, amongst some of the ambitions that you have out there. But at the same time, this is a local brand or a locally created brand here. Uh, is that therefore evidence of an investment into the local digital landscape, if you like? 
Yeah, for sure. We've always been local first, digital first. So um, this was, in that sense, it was a no-brainer. You know, Nemshi, when it started, uh, it was one of the, it is one of the prominent e-commerce companies in the region. It was one of the first e-commerce companies in the region. Um, so this fits in terms of DNA, in terms of philosophy, in terms of uh, culture of the team. Uh, this fits on every single axis. In terms of the numbers behind the deal, how much can you tell us as to how much uh, Noon paid for Namshi? Um, I'd love to tell you something, but uh, unfortunately, I don't have too many details to share at this point in terms of numbers. We'll dig. But on. just rest assured that um, you know it's a it's an investment that works both for Noon and Namshi, um, and yeah, it, it makes sense. Makes sense for both, you say there. In, in terms of, the, the, we know that um, uh, Noon obviously has ext- extensive network down into the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. Is Namshi a well-known brand in the kingdom? Yeah, actually, uh, a large a large part of Namshi's revenue comes from uh, the kingdom. So uh, this will further enable it to, you know, provide a better experience for customers. Um, we will start serving customers directly from Saudi Arabia. Those customers in Saudi Arabia will be served directly from Saudi Arabia. So people will get not only a more reliable experience, but uh, a faster one as well. And is this evidence that Noon are looking to invest into more local brands at the moment? Could we expect to see more throughout 2023 and further on? You know, we've always positioned ourselves as a platform where sellers can come and where brands can come. Uh, We want to be that that local powerhouse which enables brands and sellers to come on our platform, whether it be Noon or Namshi or somewhere. In terms of actual acquisitions or investments, um, there's nothing on the horizon currently. But, uh, you know, I guess opportunistically, if something arises and it makes sense for everyone, then uh, I guess it would never be ruled out. So what is the focus for 2023? As I said, we've seen that uh, ambitious growth throughout 2022 for Noon and before that. What does 23 hold in the pipeline? Um, it's really, well, two things, um, or any e-commerce company will actually tell you that you just want to scale very efficiently. So for us, we now have a play in most retail segments and we're very, very bullish on all of them. Um, so we want to scale both uh, our core platform, which has marketplace, uh, food delivery and grocery delivery. Um, but also, you know, be known as that destination for every customer, uh, both in the UAE, Saudi Arabia and Egypt. It's a great story and it's got a great ring to it as well. Noonan Namshi just runs off the tongue, doesn't it, a little bit, Ali? So congratulations to you and the team down there at Noon.com for the recent acquisition. Uh, that is Ali Kafil Hussain. He's the chief of staff at Noon.com. And as we just mentioned there, Noon obviously uh, backed by the PRF, Saudi Arabia's sovereign fund, public investment fund, and also the Dubai billionaire, Mohammed Alaba, uh, acquiring Namshi, well-known brand here in the region. So we'll keep an eye on that moving forward. A big thanks to the team at Noon. You've been listening to a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. To enjoy lots more from Dubai Eye in the United Arab Emirates, just go to DubaiEye1038.com or find them wherever you normally get your podcasts.